The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The hospitality industry is one of the fastest growing industries in an improving economy. There are new career opportunities popping up in restaurants, hotels, and travel. Get the inside scoop today. Welcome to the Hospitality News Network with Stephen Nicole. Our hope is that you'll look at this industry in a whole new light. Now, here's your host, Stephen Nicole. Hello, everyone. Welcome back after two weeks. I hope you all had a good Labor Day weekend. My name is Stephen Nicole, host of the Hospitality Industry News Network here on Voice America. Today's show is an important topic of the restaurant industry. Working in an environment in which you are surrounded by alcohol and, and drugs, which are easily easy to get, many servers and bartenders become dependent on these on a daily basis, leading to addiction and crisis. Scott Magnuson knows far too well how low things can get, as it almost cost him his job, family, and his life. Sharon Pine, his wife, saw and experienced him go through this. They have written a book about their struggle from one spouse's viewpoint, Sharon's, looking on, and the other going through the addiction, that being Scott. Scott has now been alcohol and drug-free for a few years now. Their book, entitled Torn Together, serves as an inspiration to others who are or know someone who is going through the same thing. Also, while writing their book, they came up with an idea to help other industry workers who are going through the same thing, aptly called Restaurant Recovery. Scott and Sharon, welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Scott, I'll start with you. Tell me about the process for writing this book. Well, it was a difficult process, uh, to say the least. Uh, You know, I'm not a writer. I am a a lifelong bar person. Um, So writing for me was very difficult. But in a lot of ways, it was therapeutic getting some of the stuff out. And there was a lot of hardship with it. There was a lot of lies that I had told when I was actively drinking and using drugs that, you know, my wife didn't know the truth to. And she didn't find out a lot of the truth until we started writing the book. And uh, so, you know, I would know when I got home from work whether she had been working on the book or not by what kind of mood she was in. (laughs) Um, There'd be a lot of days where I'd get home and she'd be extremely mad at me. And I I wouldn't know why. I was like, what's going on? And then I'd realize that she'd been working on the book. Wow. And Sharon? Um, I agree. It was very, very difficult um, just to kind of relive those times and, as he mentioned, to find out the truth about some things. But it was, and there were times definitely that I couldn't even work on it. I would just have to put it down for months at a time because it was too much. Uh, And then there were also times that I would be working on it furiously and uh, Scott didn't want to work on it. I think it was just hard. But it was also very therapeutic because we were able to kind of work through a lot of our stuff and for any um, for many of us who have addicted spouses a lot of us just want you know some acknowledgement that it was so horrible during that time and he it's very hard for um, Scott to 
just just say, oh yeah, I was an ass. <laughs> um, so when he was writing it, that was kind of like his amends, you know, acknowledging what had happened then. Like a cleansing, like uh, you know, feeling uh, like you know, freeing yourself. I guess you could say. It, yeah, I guess an AA would be like you know the fourth or fifth step, whichever it is, of making amends and putting everything on the table. How how long did it take you to write the book? It must have taken quite a while. Three years, I think. Yeah, it took a while. We started actually. We were writing our bios for the nonprofit. You know, we we're supposed to have just a couple paragraphs, and we ended up each of us with a couple pages. And then we were joking, "Oh, we should make this a book." And then we just we did. <laughs> but it took about three years. Um, going back, you know, us getting a, a first draft, and then going back and forth with the with an editor to kind of, um, you know, help us develop, you know, there are a lot of restaurant things that sound just completely normal to us, uh, but don't make any sense outside of the restaurant world. So it was good to have somebody to help us. Wow. So you were 14 when you started in restaurants, uh, Scott. Yeah. I started washing dishes, uh, when I was 14 and, uh, you know, that was about, the same time that I really started drinking and smoking pot. That's young. Yeah, wow. I, it is young. And, you know, not to say that I wouldn't have used drugs and smoked pot if I didn't work in the restaurant, because I would have. Um, but I think working in the restaurant and being in that environment at a young age, you know, I was hanging out with people that were much older than I was. Um, it was just a steady stream. Everything was available. Um, I mean, it, it's it just kind of like sucks you into the environment. It's it's pretty hard to be able to say no when you're right there. It is, and it's always the parties after last call that you know a lot of that <clears> stuff <throat> takes place. That's for sure. At least in my his at least in my history, it has us anyway. So tell me about restaurant recovery, Scott. So when I got out of uh, inpatient treatment and was, uh, I think I just finished like outpatient and was in continuing care. Um, one of the big things that uh, was told to me throughout the whole treatment process was that I had to leave the restaurant industry. I could no longer work in a restaurant. Um, and that was scary. And I mean, it's scary enough going through a treatment program uh, but being told that everything you've done your entire life is, uh, is you, you got to change. Um, I, and I kind of being a stubborn person that I am said that that's not true. And what we realized was there's nowhere for anybody to turn, uh, in the industry should they want help. I mean, everybody is doing the same thing. So we wanted to give, uh, people a place to turn to, um, try to set up some kind of sober su support network for people that, that work in restaurants so they don't feel like they're alone. Um, and that's kind of how the idea came about. Um, and the other thing is with insurance, like I was fortunate that I had health insurance. And as we know, wow. most restaurant people do not have health insurance. No. And, uh, and the treatment that I went through, I think was $25,000. And, you know, nobody can come up with that kind of money. Not at all. Especially in the restaurant industry. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Wow, that was some, that's something. So, Sharon, what uh, your version of restaurant uh, recovery, um, how, how is it working out? 
Um, I think it's going really well. I mean, we work on it on our free time. It's not something that that um, that we can devote a full time amount of hours to. Um, so it's going slowly. The process is slow to become a nonprofit, but I think it's going really well. Um, a lot of people reach out to us for help, both um, families and um, people who are um, having substance use issues. Um, and that was one of my main focuses too. Is that you know often our restaurant person could be the primary um, breadwinner in the family. Um, so what happens to that family uh, if they decide to go to treatment? So we wanted to make sure that we, we were able to help families as well, either with just support or, you know, a ride or childcare, some things like that. Um, those are all part goals. So it's not just uh, helping the addict. Do you find that... Um the most difficult part is people trying to admit that they have a problem in the first place. Uh, Scott? Um, Yeah, well, I think that everybody's vision, especially in the restaurant industry, is skewed. So you can always find somebody that's worse off than you are, that you can compare yourself to. So you don't realize how bad of a problem you, you have, especially in this industry, because you're around the same people. Some of them are worse off. And uh, you just, everybody kind of brushes it off. So, you know, it took like actually getting into the real world and seeing that, you know, this isn't normal. Like, you know, hanging out at night, snorting lines of cocaine and and drinking until six in the morning is not normal um, behavior. Whereas in the restaurant industries, a lot of places that is completely normal for this industry. I think there's also... Uh, in the in the non restaurant world, there um, you would hit a bottom, right? You get fired from your job. Um, but in the restaurant world, you don't get fired necessarily. It takes a lot to get fired, and even if you do get fired, you know because your drinking is is out of control, you can probably find another restaurant job really quickly. Um, so that just means everybody's bottoms are really a lot uh, lower, or you know you can just last a lot longer in the industry. Especially sometimes, I guess, when your bosses even drink as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I find that to be the case in some places I've worked in the past as well. So, hey, you know, what do you do? You're part of it, and uh, as long as you have a drink with them, it's it's okay. You still have your job. Yep. Yeah, and like, you know, I mean, we used to have shift meetings or staff meetings where the whole staff would get together and do shots. And that's, that's common practice, especially in non-corporate, you know, restaurants, especially and here in D.C., and I'm pretty sure it's like that in pretty much – every place for sure i think uh yeah you know you know i in my own opinion it's good to have a wine tasting or something like that where people can try something maybe for educational purposes and all that but when it's to to have drinks in our staff meeting it's uh you know it's it's not encouraging good habits that's for sure no, and we no, eliminated it. One of the things that we got, we got rid of. We have a drug-free workplace policy now. We don't allow any um, drinking, you know, while on shift. We don't give away free alcohol to our employees after shift. And, um, you know, we didn't think these are things that we thought were going to be really hard. Like, how can we get people to work for us if we don't do this? And you know, now we have just this wonderful staff. Um, but it, it does take a while. It's hard work to, to make no. that change. But it's well worth it. We're going to pause oh, for yeah. a break now, and we'll see you at the other end of two minutes. Hi, 
The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Do you love to travel? Do you love adventure so much that when you read about it, you cannot stop until you have finished? Most of all, though, do you like to read a memoir that is totally honest and doesn't cover up anything? The author just tells it like it is. Stephen Nicole's first book, You Only Live Once, will fulfill your wish. Whether you're thinking of a career in the hospitality industry or just want to read a personal, upfront, no-holes-barred memoir, this book will whet your appetite. Go to stephennicole.com to order your copy or email him directly for an autographed copy. That's stephennicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E dot com. A life coach, Stephen Nicole can be contacted to help you get what you want in life. 17 years from the time he took a bartending course, Stephen traveled around working in the hospitality industry, moving up the ladder as he went along, tasting both the bitter and the sweet. Along the way, Stephen rode the ebb and flow from the vibrant 80s to the turbulent 90s. Stephen found what his heart was truly looking for to begin a new chapter in his life. For a free intake interview, you can mail Stephen directly to set up a time at ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to the Hospitality News Network. We'd love to hear from you with questions or comments about the show. Drop us a line at ssnicole at rogers.com. That's ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Now, back to the Hospitality News Network. Welcome back. It's Steve Nicole at the Hospitality Industry News Network. I just want to let you know if you caught this, if you catch this at the end or halfway through the show or at the end, we could always, you could always catch it on my webpage. It's archived 24-7 on my webpage. It'll be on iTunes, tuned in, and Stitcher. And uh, you can listen to this show over and over again because it's a really interesting show, a great show. We have uh, Scott Magnuson and Sharon Pine talking about their book, Torn Together. And uh, I just want to ask Scott, start off with a question, what inspired you, Scott, to write the book? Well, uh, like Sharon was saying, it started out as uh, doing bios for the nonprofit. And I found that, you know, getting everything on paper became very therapeutic. And we have a a story to tell. Um, A lot of people that aren't associated with the restaurant industry kind of don't know about the lifestyle. Um, and I think this is one way that people will be able to read and, and see what the lifestyle is like of restaurant workers. Um, and to have a book that's kind of co-authored by a husband and, and wife and uh, gives two completely different viewpoints of the same uh, situation um, is very unique. And I think that... Uh, it it was a, a long process, and you know we weren't sure that we'd ever get it published, but we managed to do that. And sure. it's really honest. For me, Go I ahead. wanted um, this is the kind of book that I would have just loved to have read when we were in the the thick of um, Scott's addiction. 
Um, and I didn't really know anybody who was going through the same thing. And also, as I mentioned before, because the bottoms are so low, I just didn't feel like I could talk about what was happening with anybody because they'd look at me like I was insane and either judge him or judge me for staying with him. Um, and so it's the kind of book that, as I said, I, I would have loved to have read. So, read. so I think um, hopefully it can help other people who are going through it know that they're not alone. And that's important. And I think, that's um, sure. you know, one of the things for me is by me being open about it and talking about it, it kind of takes that stigma away. So if, I, if I'm making fun of myself and, and about how I was, you know, you, it's, you're more open about it and you're willing to talk about it and you don't have to worry about what people are saying either behind your back or to other people because you're like, yes, I went through this. This is what happened and this is where I'm at now. You know, this is how life was and this is how good life can be. Do you think as well, uh, and this might be a little bit of a, a side question here, but the perception of the hospitality industry working in restaurants and uh, bars and, and stuff like that, a lot of people view as just something part-time to get, you know, to get to their next job or to get them through school or, and, and something like that. And then they think of it as, a, you know, a bit of a party time. They don't take it seriously like they, you know, like you wouldn't go into your job nine to five in front of a computer with a, you know, a Ryan, Ryan ginger ale in your hand. Um, I'm just wondering what, you know, the perception of the industry sometimes doesn't help, you know, newcomers to the industry who, you know, look at it as a party rather than uh, a possible career. Wouldn't you agree? I, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, it is a, a lot of people find the industry and think it's a social atmosphere and they can kind of make some money and have some fun. And, uh, and not take it seriously. And uh, Sharon has done a great, an amazing job with our hiring of trying to weed through those people and, and find us, you know, people that are motivated and that take it serious. Uh, Sharon, would you like to add on to that? Um, sure. So, I mean, I had never worked in a restaurant uh, before the Argonaut. And, um, you know, Scott, Scott was in charge of hiring and the hiring you know, it was just like, oh, word of mouth, or, or are you hiring, coming in and walking in? Are you, are you hiring? Or, um, you know, some restaurants request a, like a, a headshot or something, but I don't, I don't uh, do any of that um, because I'm not sure how that makes it for, um, how that translates into like a serious, a serious worker. So I kind of, I ask four questions, like silly questions, it doesn't really matter, um, on the Craigslist ad, and then I can eliminate anybody who sends a resume without um, answering the questions because I can tell that they don't follow directions. And then I, I grill them with a 30-minute interview wow. uh, after and, you know, just ask everything. And sometimes it's not even about the question. It's kind of about their reaction to the question. Um, I feel like it's the only time that I really have to set the tone for what kind of a workplace it is. Um, you know, before our workplace culture you know, steps in and takes over. And we happen to have a very good workplace culture, but it's my it's my only time to say that this is a serious place. And then at that point, I tell them about our drug-free workplace policy. And um, I know I can eliminate people if they, um, you know, are like, oh, I just, you know, I have a, another job. I just want a, a job where it's going to be fun. And, um, and it, it did take a while to kind of get a handle on, on this type of hiring, but it has made all the difference in the world. 
Absolutely. And there's not many people who hire like, like you do and more should, you know, uh, you know, you want the people who are, are obviously for the restaurant industry, you got to have a bubbly, you know, sort of, uh, you know, a good person that likes people and likes serving others, but you don't want, uh, the people who are uh, there for the drink, that's for sure. No, and I want people who want to work for for us specifically, not just any restaurant. Um, I want them to, you know, have done a little research and and know about us and know, you know, believe in the things that we believe in. And um, and then once I grill them, and if they still want to work with with us, you know, then I know that it's probably going to be a good fit, or they or they can handle the stress. Uh, because they, even after all that, all the hoops that I made them jump through, that they still want to work with us. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Now, uh, with the restaurant recovery, how how long has that been going on now? A couple of years? Yeah, 2013 is when we started, I think. Maybe August of 2013. Okay, wow. Or okay. was it, was it bef- might have been before that. We came up with the John, idea in 2000. 2000- we came up with the idea in 2011, um, like right after he had gotten out of treatment, um, 2011 and, or early 2012. And then it took a while to kind of like figure out what, what we wanted it to be and kind of put a board together um, and try and figure out how to become a nonprofit, which we're still working on. So, <laughs> uh, But we started having meetings um, a year or two, uh, two years ago, I guess. Okay. Now, uh, Scott, uh you know, when you were 14 and you started out in the business, uh, I'm assuming maybe you weren't going to school at the time, or was it part-time? Or Yeah, it was part-time. I was still uh, in high school. Um, you, know, I, you know, I barely graduated high school. I played sports, uh, baseball my whole life, uh, but found, you know, pot as my everyday crutch um, when I was 14, and then I was never a normal drinker. I mean, when we drank, we really drank. So I still don't, to this day, know how people have, like, a glass of wine or two. I don't see what the point is in that. Right. And and excluding the drugs and alcohol, uh, just for a second, uh, what what would you suggest to somebody who is uh, looking as a, at a restaurant career or, or looking to apply and, and you know, in a restaurant or think of it as a career, what would you, what would the suggestion that you give them, if you could, uh, give them any advice at all, Scott? Ooh. Um, I think, you know, one of the big things is to be healthy, uh, have a healthy mind, body, spirit, um, be open to learning and try to learn as much as you can. Um, it's, it can be a very rewarding industry, um, if you treat it as you know, an, as a career or job, I mean, it's very easy in restaurants to work your way up, um, but you have to kind of be able to separate the the lifestyle from the actual business. Sharon, would you like to add on to that? I I agree. I think it's it can be an extremely rewarding career if you choose to make it such. Uh, and um, as he said, because or the implication is because so many people are joining the industry because they're looking for that party. It is really hard. I mean, really easy to kind of move up and into a management position. um, Easy. And then if that happens, I would just do lots of research. So you don't make all the same rookie mistakes that we made. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, Um, for sure. I know myself when I started, you know, uh, 
I educated myself a little bit more as time went on. I just wanted, you know, would you agree that the the, the restaurant industry is sort of like a, a, I'm not saying drugs or alcohol, but it's like an addiction. Once you're working in it and enjoying it, you can't get away from it. It's It gets in your blood. Like even what you went through, you're still in it. Yeah, I mean, it's a very stimulating, um, I would say, yeah, addictive field. You, you meet a lot of people, and it gives you this sort of, you know, our restaurant is two blocks away from our house, so we're very much involved in the community. And so, you know, we, we just know so many people uh, through the restaurant. I mean, you, you get accustomed to that, and you really enjoy it. Sharon? Anything like that? Um, I guess the same. Yeah, I mean, I I was new to the industry, um, you know, with the Argonaut. I I was thirty, and I had never worked in a restaurant before. So, um, but it is, and it's a very seductive industry. There's lots of you know alpha personalities and you know charismatic people, and um, it is. It does pull you in, um, and I. Yeah, we're still think, in it. <laughs> do, you, do you think? Do you think working outside of the industry for those maybe 10 or 12 years help you cope with this better? With the industry? Yeah, like you said, you started in 30 years old. In oh, the, yeah. Uh, I mean, I just, I came in and I was, I was just, my, I always asked Scott, but why? Why is it like that? Why, why does everybody yell in the kitchen? And he's like, well, that's the way it is in the industry. And I'm like, but why? Or, you know, why Why is everybody drinking? Or why Why is a terrible relationship between the front house and the back of the house? But why? But why? And um, I think those kind of fresh eyes helped us change the Argonaut or change whatever restaurant it would have been, but this was the Argonaut, um, to not have to have some of those bad habits that um, that are just kind of taken for granted or, or um, in the in the industry. Awesome. I, um, I was just I was just thinking like if you were all in the restaurant if you're both in the restaurant industry since you were fourteen, you know you might not have been able to, you know, be. Oh the yeah, totally. Either, no. For sure. <laughs> I did, I okay. didn't understand like I was going through a hard time in my life uh, at that point, and so I was drinking like a fish, like Scott was, but I just assumed with my naive eyes that everybody was kind of going through a hard time at that moment, and they'd all stop. <laughs> <laughs> right. I didn't realize, like, I didn't realize that until much later that, no, 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 this is the way it is. And that was just another one of my, but why, but why, you know? And I, I was always kind of tethered to the outside world because I still had, you know, other jobs that I would have, either taking care of kids or whatever. And, you know, wow. okay. those two worlds don't really mix. We got to pause on that note and we'll see you at the other end of uh, two minutes. Alrighty. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you love to travel? Do you love adventure so much that when you read about it, you cannot stop until you have finished? Most of all, though, do you like to read a memoir that is totally honest and doesn't cover up anything? The author just tells it like it is. Stephen Nicole's first book, You Only Live Once, will fulfill your wish. Whether you're thinking of a career in the hospitality industry or just want to read a personal, upfront, no-holes-barred memoir, this book will whet your appetite. 
Go to stephennicole.com to order your copy or email him directly for an autographed copy. That's stephennicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E dot com. A life coach, Stephen Nicole can be contacted to help you get what you want in life. 17 years from the time he took a bartending course, Stephen traveled around working in the hospitality industry, moving up the ladder as he went along, tasting both the bitter and the sweet. Along the way, Stephen rode the ebb and flow from the vibrant 80s through the turbulent 90s. Stephen found what his heart was truly looking for to begin a new chapter in his life. For a free intake interview, you can mail Stephen directly to set up a time at ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to the Hospitality News Network. We'd love to hear from you with questions or comments about the show. Drop us a line at ssnicole at rogers.com. That's ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Now, back to the Hospitality News Network. Welcome back. It's Steve Nicole at the Hospitality Industry News Network on voiceamerica.com variety channel. We air every Monday at noon Eastern Daylight Time. And so you could pick up old shows and join us next week for new shows. And all our shows are archived 24-7 on my webpage. And also it's on Stitcher, iTunes, Tuned In. I think it's on Google Plus as well. If you want to get a hold of me, my email is ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. We're talking with Scott Magnuson and Sharon Pine, co-authors of the book Torn Together. And... uh, Boy, we're having a great interview here. Tell me, what is, what, what would you say, uh, Scott, you know, after writing the book and all that, what have you learned in the process? Like, what's the one thing that stands out for well, you? I think that, you know, you can do whatever you want as long as you put your mind to it. Um, I never in a million years would have thought that I had ever written a book. You know, that just wasn't in my, anyway, I was a, I'm a bar guy, so writing a book was difficult. You know, I can barely spell my own name. Um, so it was, it was an interesting process, but what it, it makes you think is that, wow, you know, that feeling of accomplishment that you've accomplished something is, is really good. And it gives you a lot of confidence uh, in the rest of your life moving forward. And Sharon, this has also led you to write some other uh, pieces online as well. Uh, yeah, a couple. Um, the, the Washington Post approached me to write a piece for them, which was an amazing, incredible experience and opportunity. Um, and I've been noodling over some other, some other books. <laughs> right on. I, I, you know, it, it's awesome to be able to write. I, I, I personally wrote a book and, uh, I wrote about myself and, and, you know, it's probably the easiest thing for anyone to do is write about themselves, but, it is a process to write, and uh, you know it's it's just great when it gets published. Now, about your restaurant, the Argonaut, uh, I was checking on the website today, and the, the Argonaut's been around for quite a long time, hasn't it? 
we opened in uh, 2005. It was uh, August 2005. Okay, so it's just 10 years. I, I, I thought it was a little years, bit yeah. longer than that. What are your specialties there, like the wine list and stuff like that? We do a lot of uh, American craft beers. Um, we're we're very, very beer-focused and uh, just good, solid pub food. Um, but we kind of cater to the neighborhood, uh, you know, so it's a great, it's a, a great group of people that come in and you know, our customer base is, is pretty amazing. Sounds like it is. Sharon, uh, anything like that onto that? You're the hiring manager there. So, uh, do you get a lot of, is there a lot of, uh, people that come in every day applying for work? Uh, we get a couple a week. We don't take walk-ins anymore. Um, because everything that we do is kind of online, our scheduling software. And um, so we have a, I either put a Craigslist ad out or um, I have um, on our website is a way that if you want to join our team, you can kind of approach us that way. Okay. I'm jumping back to restaurant recovery here for a second. I just want to ask you, uh, are you, is it only locally in Washington that you have restaurant recovery or is there, you're planning on expanding that elsewhere or how does it work? Well, it's starting locally. Um, you know, we're hoping that we can get uh, some funding in place to, to really do a lot more with it. Um, that's, I think that's the hardest part is really raising the funds for it. Um, I'm not very good at like going and asking people for money, <laughs> So, um, but it, it is definitely something that is unique and needed, not only in the D.C. area community, but nationwide, um, if not worldwide. There just needs to be some kind of support for the industry because it is such a different lifestyle than the rest of, you know, the world. And, uh, and, it, and it's unique and it, it needs uh, something unique to kind of help its people. And, you know, the, the restaurant industry is number one in uh, drug abuse and I think number two or three in alcoholism um, out of all the industries. Um, so it definitely there is a problem there. Um, I think that there needs to be a, a, some adjustments made, but it's got to start from the top. You know, it's got to get the restaurant owners have to get together, the managers have to get together, and they have to say that, enough is enough. Like we need to have consistent people at work every day. Um, and I think one of the ways that, that we can approach doing that is to, is to give uh, restaurant owners, you know, materials that kind of shows how much uh, revenue, not just re- lost revenue and uh, money is being wasted when they have bartenders and staff that are drinking or using drugs on the job. Oh, absolutely. It's, a, it's, it's amazing the amount of money they lose and they don't even know it. I know. It's like, it's incredible. I, I, you know, it stuns me every day. I mean, you know, how much money that the owners lose when, you know, especially drinking hard stuff and this and that. And, oh man. Yeah. I think for every one beer, one, for every one beer that goes out the door that's not being charged for, it takes five to make up for that one. You have to sell five to make up for one. Wow. And if you got staff that's drinking, I mean, that's a significant amount of money each week. You know, we have a we have a company liability. that yeah liabilities late at night. We have a company that comes in and audits for us uh, once every two weeks that you know weighs every keg, 
counts every bottle of beer, weighs every bottle of liquor, and can tell us exactly, you know, what we're missing, what's gone through without uh, being rung in. An investment worthwhile. It is. Definitely. Now, that's another thing that you brought up there was the liability. You can't have staff drinking and then going out and driving home and then, you know, getting in an accident or hurting somebody. Or it's yeah, that, or it's even, and that's, that's just one liability. I mean, as a, as a restaurant owner with a liquor license, I can't have a staff member being drunk and then having an incident happen at, you know, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning where the police have to come. Um, you know, that's risking losing your liquor license, especially oh, here absolutely. in the district. Yeah. Or if they forget to, you know, close up or take the money home. or which Yeah, we had one bartender <laughs> that took, the, took his bank home with him. No. <laughs> Oh, I mean, no. he brought it back, but like just that kind of all those little things, um, the liability is. And, you know, when anybody is drinking, if there's a problem, you know, there's not, it's not like you have a cool level head that you're dealing with, you know, things get out of control pretty quickly. Um, and especially in the middle of the night. So not only is it a liability for, for them individually, but for us as a business or, and other people. Absolutely. I don't think a lot of business owners think of that too much. They uh, let the staff drink think, or whatever, and then they drive home. And Yeah, the thing, thing about D.C. Most, people most people walk. walk. Yeah. Really? We don't, we don't, yeah, yeah. We're not having, we don't worry about the driving so much, but just the, the other. The other. I've only been to Washington once, and that was at the airport. Yeah, well, that, and that wasn't in Washington then. <laughs> I was flying presidential airways. Oh, yeah, so in D.C., everything's pretty tight, and we're in the city, so people walk, they take public transportation, or they take the bus. Okay, that's good then. That's good. There's always a handful of taxis available as well, I'm sure. Yeah, and Uber yeah. nowadays is awesome. Now, what's your... Uh, you know, what's your plans for the future? Like, uh, you know, you've written a book now. Uh, any uh, any chance of writing another book or doing something along the long lines of the restaurant industry and something like that? Um, well, I think we've got a lot of different projects going that we need to show some love to currently. So we, we uh, last year purchased a little store and cafe up in Maine. So we're still working through the first year hiccups of that place. And, I, you know, I'd like to be able to to get everything set and comfortable and be able to spend some more time on restaurant recovery um, and give it the, the, the time that's kind of needed to really get it off the ground and running. Right on. Right on. And Sharon, is the same for you, I guess? Yeah, uh, we have. It's nice to have the book out of the way, and we can we can go back to focusing on all of our current projects, which are the Argonaut and the other place, and then the the nonprofit, um, and then of course, family life. <laughs> yeah, you have a couple couple of kids. Just one. Just one. Yeah. Okay. Girl, boy. Girl, she's seven. Seven. Okay. Right. Yeah. On. One and done. There's no point. One in and done. That's it. Yeah, one, just one and yeah. done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we did two and done. That was it. <laughs> All right. So now you mentioned Maine. Perhaps you're uh, maybe, uh, what, do you have a place out there in Maine as well? Like you we mentioned do. a store. You have a. 
we have a we have a house up in Maine that we go to. Sharon has been going her whole life, and uh, we were fortunate enough that uh, a couple of years ago, when the markets crashed, um, we could purchase a place of our own up there. So we've been going up whenever our daughter's out of school. Okay, and it's a small any- town, so it's kind of nice. It's exactly the opposite of DC. Any thoughts maybe of uh, taking the Argonaut or a smaller version out to Maine? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, hey, you never know, eh? You never That's know, but it's a lot of work. <laughs> well, you know, there's a, a good part of the book uh, revolves around the Argonaut. And uh, opening 10 years ago, and, you know, we were one of the first uh, sit-down bar businesses open in a, an area um, and, uh, it was, uh, an experience to say the least. And there was a lot of things that, that, uh, that happened that we just can't, like, I'm still trying to get over. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Like, uh, do I want to go through some of this stuff again? And some of the stuff I know we would never go through again, but you still remember. Yeah. Wow. No, it's a very riveting story. That's for sure. Now, when you let me let me ask you a question. We're going to just go to break shortly. If if uh, if you started out in the hospitality industry, like uh, you know nowadays, would what location would you if you would Washington be the place for you still, or would you choose a different location or Scott? Uh, I think yeah, DC. I mean DC. The the whole. Uh, scene has just exploded over the last 10 years. Um, so, and I think, you know, there's, there's so many restaurants and, and bars and hotels that have opened up. And honestly, the, the, there's nobody really to work in all of them. I mean, they're always looking for good, motivated young people that are, are kind of driven to succeed that can come in and help these places. And, you know, it used to be a time when, uh, Working weekends was bad. You know, it was looked upon as an industry where, oh, geez, you had to work weekends. But now everybody works weekends. Banks are open. Everything's open. Yes, and it's kind of nice having a you know a day off in the middle of the week when everybody else is at work. Exactly. You can, yes. You can go to Target and there's no lines. You know. Yeah, there's a lot of benefits. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Well, we got to pause for our last break. So uh, we're going to see you at the other end of a couple of minutes. All right. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Do you love to travel? Do you love adventure so much that when you read about it, you cannot stop until you have finished? Most of all, though, do you like to read a memoir that is totally honest and doesn't cover up anything? The author just tells it like it is. Stephen Nicole's first book, You Only Live Once, will fulfill your wish. Whether you're thinking of a career in the hospitality industry or just want to read a personal, upfront, no-holes-barred memoir, this book will whet your appetite. Go to stephennicole.com to order your copy or email him directly for an autographed copy. That's stephennicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E dot com. 
a life coach. Stephen Nicole can be contacted to help you get what you want in life. 17 years from the time he took a bartending course, Stephen traveled around working in the hospitality industry, moving up the ladder as he went along, tasting both the bitter and the sweet. Along the way, Stephen rode the ebb and flow from the vibrant 80s through the turbulent 90s. Stephen found what his heart was truly looking for to begin a new chapter in his life. For a free intake interview, you can mail Stephen directly to set up a time at ssnicole, at rogers.com. You are listening to the Hospitality News Network. We'd love to hear from you with questions or comments about the show. Drop us a line at ssnicole at rogers.com. That's ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Now, back to the Hospitality News Network. Hello, welcome back. It's Steve DeCole at the Hospitality Industry News Network. All these shows are archived 24-7 on my webpage. In case you missed it the last few times I mentioned it, you can catch any show any time of the day on my webpage on voiceamericavariety.com. Steve Nicole here with our guests, Scott Magnuson and Sharon Pine, co-authors of Torn Together. And, they're ta- and we're talking about uh, how Scott overcame his uh, drug and alcohol addiction and uh, is now doing amazing things as a business owner of uh, the Argonaut in Washington, D.C. And, uh, and Sharon, uh, who's also business owner of the Argonaut in Washington, D.C., who does all the hiring. Scott, what do you think, you know, for people who are, you know, we talked, touched on it briefly earlier in the show, what is the future in store for the hospitality industry? Like, what do you see happening? What changes do you foresee in the next few years or decade that's going to be like a big change in the hospitality industry for people to look to? Uh, Well, technology is is incredible, and uh, the one downside of this is with the, the increases in the minimum wage. Um, I know in D.C. they're making a big push for a $15 minimum wage. And the, the downside of that is it's really going to force uh, a lot of businesses to, to kind of look at their uh, payroll, look at their um, business as a whole and see what kind of adjustments they'll have to make. I mean, as, as most people know, like, the profit margins in the restaurant industry are somewhere between like slim and none. Um, you know, it's a lot of cash coming in and there's a lot of cash going out. Uh, so it, it will be interesting to see what happens in the next few years as uh, the minimum wage increases go into effect. Uh, the, the way the technology is moving, where is that going to uh, put everything? I mean, my, uh, I think everybody's going to be running a much leaner, uh, kind of meaner staff, um, especially on some of these, like like our place, it's a neighborhood, you know, very pubish feel. Um, so I think that, and fine dining restaurants, I think are really going to uh, feel the pinch when it comes to increased uh, minimum wages and all that. What do waiters make there now an hour? Uh, right now it's two seventy seven an hour plus tips. Um, and it's supposed to, they have to make at least what minimum wage is, which, you know, from the most part, everybody 
uh, makes that. I mean, especially here. I mean, our, our servers and, and bartenders make probably $25, $30 an hour. Right. Uh, but what D.C. is trying to do is push a $15 minimum wage for not only uh, minimum wage, but for tipped employees as well. And uh, if, if that kind of goes through, that's going to... It's going to change the restaurant industry quite a bit here in, in the city. And I think you can look at other cities that have done that, like Portland, I think, uh, Oregon. Um, I think there's a couple other states that have gone to this uh, to see what kind of effects it will have. Um, but the difference is with restaurants nowadays is everybody goes out to eat, especially younger people. People aren't cooking at home as much. A lot of that disposable income is going to, to younger people going out. Um, so there's a lot of people. I know when I, back when I started, it was only the people, you know, that had money that went out to eat, you know, yeah, like I think that's, once a that's week. That's changed a little bit. When I was a kid, we always ate at home. I don't we remember ever well. going out to a restaurant, you know? Well, now, yeah. you know, housing prices are so high here and, you know, the 20 year old segment, they have to live many people to an apartment um i think it's just it's you know that easier there's not like necessarily a huge kitchen for everybody to be cooking in so when you're living in that kind of situation it's easier to go out do you think if the wage was now here's like i know for business owners it'll be tough but if the minimum wage was higher than 15 dollars per hour do you do you think that waiters would take their job not that you're not hiring the right waiters now, I don't mean that, but in other places that they would take their job a little bit more seriously? I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know if that say. would be the case. I think it still it still has to be a industry-wide change from the top up, or top down, I mean, um, that kind of makes that attitude, it helps with that attitude adjustment. As long as uh, business owners are letting staff hang out, have a good time, drink and work, it's always going to be a party atmosphere, no matter if yeah. they're getting paid fifteen dollars an hour minimum wage or working for tips. But um, there will be fewer employees, the, so yes, they will have to. Yeah. Uh, they will probably be taking whoever remains will maybe be taking their jobs more seriously because there will just be fewer jobs to have bigger sections. Won't be able to, yeah, be, or just yeah, you'll have technology, to, yeah. iPad ordering or whatever, um, because employers won't be able to pay. Right. Yeah, I mean, right. I was at the what, Philly Airport and the little restaurant in there. I mean, you sat down and each seat had an iPad. Yeah. And you swipe your credit card and you put in your order and then somebody brings it to you. Yeah, that, yeah we got that in Toronto as well. That was pretty amazing. You know, it doesn't take any personality at all, does it? It just... No. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, I just... We're, yeah. we're just on the verge of wrapping up here, but I just want to ask... Uh, how people can contact Restaurant Recovery, because this is a great thing you got going here. So how do people contact? Um, if you go to the website, restaurantrecovery.org, uh, there's okay. a contact us on there, and the email will go straight to myself. Or we're on Twitter, um, at Rest Recovery. Facebook, Restaurant Recovery. Perfect. And your book? Uh, the book, Torn Together. The website's torntogetherbook.com. Uh, you can uh, purchase from Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, Author House is the publisher. You can purchase from there, too. Okay, that's awesome. 
That's awesome. And that, uh, like I think, uh, that restaurant recovery is, uh, I think you're, uh, you got a great thing going there because there's a lot of people that won't admit it, but uh, are dependent on some sort of drugs or alcohol because of the business. And uh, they're well, working at it and there's no escape. Yeah, I don't think it's not that they won't admit it. I think a lot of them just don't know because your sense gets so skewed on what normal is. Well, yeah, that's, yeah, I see what you mean. Comparing yourself to the next guy who does the same thing. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for sharing with us today. It's been a pleasure having you thanks. on. Thanks for having thanks us. Thanks so much for having us. Okay, and uh, if you're in the bookstore, people, torn together. If it's on the bookshelf, buy it. And uh, my name is Stephen Nicole. I thank our guest, Scott Magnuson and Sharon Pine. And uh, by the way, Scott, before I go, what ba- ba- what ancestor bank background have you got? My ancestor background? Yeah. Swe- it's, sw- it's Swedish Norwegian. Okay, because my wife's Icelandic. Okay. So I just had so to yeah, ask for because she's going to ask me. all right thanks for sharing with us today this is steve nicole and and don't forget if you joined us later and want to hear the show at its entirety you can go on my web page it's archived 24 7 it's all going to be available on itunes stitcher and tuned in google play and all that good stuff and uh we'll see you next week with another guest thanks for joining us bye-bye Thank you for tuning in to the Hospitality News Network this week. Please join your host, Stephen Nicole, next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.